Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Couple things, couple things. I just have to get, you know, I have to get this off my chest. Yes, these pants are that loose. They are that baggy. Just take a breath, just like breathe. If you need to like, if you're manifesting, just stop freedom for you. And uh, to be fair, to be fair, I did warn each and every one of you about a month ago that I was gonna be doing this. Um, you know, thank you, Garrison Raftery. Thank you, Caleb Gonzalez. Thank you, Eric Raftery, who's also, I have a fashion consultancy. Pastor Mike Finn was a part of that until he basically, I gotta tell you guys, baggy pants are back. Baggy pants are back. I am what you would call at this point an early adopter. At this point, I am like, I'm stepping out of the boat and I am trusting like that this is like buying Apple when it was a dollar. That's basically what's happening right now. So you can wait or you could just say, you know what? I'm gonna step out in faith. I'm gonna get some baggy pants. Pastor Mike will be going to the grave in skinny jeans. So he will miss out on being relevant, you know? But uh, I just needed to get it out of the way because the reality is you too can be relevant again. And it's through wearing baggy pants. It's so funny. Like I, I was, it was a whole thing getting ready. Like I went, you know, we went yesterday and got some at Cotton On, if anybody wants to know. Um, I don't know where to find baggy pants, so Garrison said go to Cotton On, so I went to Cotton On. Bought a few pairs of pants, and uh, they look good in the store. I'm like, oh, these look great. Like, I think, I'm like, I was surprised. My wife was surprised. I think we are all surprised. And then, you know, came home, and then I'm watching football, prepping, I'm doing all the things, and then, you know, she's like, oh, do you think, you know, we should, like, try and arrange your clothes for tomorrow just so we know, like, what's going to match? I'm like, oh, my God, I'm watching, I'm not going to rearrange, I'm not, this is not cherished conference. I'm going to figure it out in the morning. Figure it out in the morning. And even that would be too late. Like, the women don't even wait that long. They, they're arranging now. My wife was just saying, oh, my gosh, I'm so far behind. I'm like, it's 11, it's 11 days away. I pack literally as I'm going to emerge, I pack, if that's possible. Just throw it all in the back. And, and, uh, and so I'm like, no, no, no. I'm watching this game. I, I was watching USC, Arizona State. It was a great game. Um, but I didn't have time. And so then I woke up this morning, unfortunately, a little later than I wanted to. And it was a nightmare trying to figure out what match because this didn't work and that didn't work. And so here I am today for you to know. Okay, here we are. And, uh, and so that is that. But what's really interesting is, like Pastor Mike alluded to, I was born in 1993, so I'm 30 years old. And, um, and these pants were in back then. Do you guys know that? These pants were in. Pants were in in the 90s. I think they were born and then every 30 years or so, trends come back. And, uh, and so we're in this series now, Reborn, Made in the Image of God. It's kind of like leading up into Cherish Conference. So because I was born in the natural uh, in the 90s, I'm bringing these back. But uh, there were some things that helped me grow up being a 90s kid. Uh, and if I were to be honest with you, if I wasn't kingdom-minded or believed that God can keep, you know, 
doing greater things and do more in my life and do more in California and do more in the United States, um, I would actually think we peaked in the 90s. Um, but I know we didn't because the best is yet to come. But let's take a revisiting back to the 90s, if we can throw up the first picture. Anybody remember these? Anybody kids have these or maybe you wore them? These were said to legitimately keep you on balance no matter what position you're in. So we had kids trying to like throw each other off. Like we, they're like, you can't touch me. Like I can't be moved. I can't, it's the bracelet. I can't, it was like a legit thing. That guy's a billionaire now. Okay, uh, let's keep going. Come on. Anybody remember these, these? Those cannot be good for you. I, I, I'm actually surprised those are still around, but those are, yeah, vanilla wafers for the win. Okay, let's go next. Okay. Come on, is this throwing anybody back? The pizza boat, come on. This was the best. My mom would pack me this. I would bring her money and go buy this. Alex was a little chunky back in elementary and middle school. Okay, let's go to the next one. This was closing time. Four kids. You know the song? Yep. Closing time. Okay, let's go to the next. Anybody remember these? Yep, twist, pop, chug. Only 78 grams of sugar per bottle. Okay, next. Okay. You can actually smell it, right? Okay. My wife said, don't put that one in there. It's disgusting. And I was like, but it's a four-dimensional experience for everybody. I can't rob them of that. And the same PE teacher had shorts like here. Thank you, coach. Still does. Still does. Amazing. Yeah, if you're a man at men's prayer, you would know that he's still, and you can rock him. You can rock him. Yeah. Okay, next. Yep. Ding, ding, ding. Winner, winner, winner. Um, okay, full disclosure as a parent, this is like stuck in my head now where I'm like, I'm singing this while my kid's cleaning up. I'm thinking of this exact scene. It was kind of creepy when I, I was like, wow, that's the exact scene I'm thinking of. And I'm annoyed because my daughter's not picking up what Barney's trying to put down, clean up your freaking toys. All the other kids do it in the show. Why can't you just pick up two of them? This was perfection. I'm telling you, yeah, peaked in the 90s. All right, keep going. Yeah, yeah, and if you don't know what this is, we'll pray for you because your friends weren't good to you, and they should have told you how to do that, but that is a step-by-step. -step. If you need to take a picture, take a picture, show your kids. <clears throat> okay, that's a bit of a sloppy one, though, to be honest. Yeah, all right, keep going. And the winner of all, Mr. Finney. Come on, don't tell me you didn't get a little bit of wisdom from Mr. Finney. If you don't know what that is, did you even, did you even live? Boy meets world. Oh, is that not a thing in Australia? Oh, well. Also, funny note, this guy, curly-headed guy, boy, that met world, he is actually running for Congress. Funny note. Not important to the message, but I just thought you would want to know. You see, whether you grew up in the 90s, 80s, 70s, 2000s, whatever it is, uh, we all grow up in different experiences, different influences. You can take Mr. Finney down, although I would love for him to hear this message. Um, it's like 90-something now. 
it, it, we all grew up with different things, baggy pants, skinny jeans, that helped us grow up. But when we are growing up in the spiritual, when we get born again, we all have one track that we're meant to grow in, and that's the kingdom of God. That is, the Holy Spirit is our instructor. And the church is meant to be the body that we grow up with, right? The body of Christ, right? When you were growing up, you were part of a school that was a student body. And you could get held back in school from not learning the lessons and applying them, right? Or if your parent wanted to hold you back so you could play in sports and do all, you know. Yeah. Um, that wasn't me. I, did, I, I didn't, yeah. It wasn't, wasn't worth me investing in doing that. And so, or you can actually, in the kingdom of God, I found being born again, you can actually get held back from the promises of God in your life based on how willing we are to grow up in God. Because just like a kid that won't learn responsibility, you don't want to trust them and give them a lot of things because if they're not faithful with the little things, they won't be faithful with much, right? If they're not mature enough to handle what little they have, why would you give them more? And so in the same way, God's like, hey, if you're not going to grow up, if you want to just stay a little baby Christian, even if you've been saved for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, then the promises of God that I'm able to trust you with because I don't want to break your life are going to be limited. Whereas if we say, God, I want to grow up in you. I want to be a mature Christian so that I can be trusted with much, then we have an opportunity to see heaven, like Pastor Mike was saying earlier, come to earth in every area of our life because that's actually God's desire. John 10.10 10 says this, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus speaking, if you're ever wondering what he's thinking about you, he wants to come and he says, I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. And that's not just financial, that's spiritual, that's relational, that's emotional, that's every area of life. Jesus wants us to live in abundance. And then he actually says in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, he says, I've been given authority, all authority. And so here's what I want you to do. Go and teach them what I have taught you. In other words, there is a way to live that Jesus is asking us to embrace so that he can trust us with more of the kingdom, right? With more abundance. Once again, not just financially, but in every single area. And so the title of this message is Growing Up Again. Growing Up Again. Because maybe we grew up in the natural and we matured in the natural, but maybe we're needing to grow up. And I find we never stop growing up in the, in the spiritual. We never graduate. We never reach perfection. Paul says, I'm reaching forward. I press forward. I'm running my race and he says, although I have not achieved perfection, he kind of sounds like he's saying I have achieved it, but, you know, go Paul. But I have a ways to go. And maybe you have a little bit you can grow in today as well. And so the three areas we're going to look at, if you've been through DNA, you're going to know them. They are faithful, available, and teachable. Three areas we can grow up again in Christ. And we want to be fat Christians, fat Christians, right? Fat Christians in the spiritual, that is what maturity looks like. Okay. So Jesus actually taught us in faithfulness that it is a major key for spiritual increase. It's a major key for him to give us access to more because if we, like I said, with little kids, if, if, if they can be faithful with a little, we're gonna give them more. If they can't be faithful with a little, they're not gonna get more. In the same way, Jesus wants to see how do you do with a little bit of the kingdom and then if you do well with a little bit, there's a lot more that you can have. It's limitless. He actually references this in Luke 16, 10 to 12. 
It says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. In other words, how you do anything is how you do everything. If you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? And he basically takes these three things. Number one, he takes little, if you're faithful with little. Number two, faithful with what somebody else is. And three, faithful with money. Those three things are the things he's asking us. Those are the tests of faithfulness. And so he actually encapsulates all these in the story of the talents. It's a parable about a master who distributes money, talents. So there's your test with money. He gives them money that's his, major key. It's the master's. It's God's, not theirs, but they were given it. And so they were given it to multiply it. They were given it to expand. He says, I'll be back. Multiply this. Be faithful with it. Not just hold on to it. So one guy got one. Another guy got two. Another guy got five. And the guy with two and the guy with five multiplied it. He, when the master came back, he's like, wow, good job. You multiplied it. Yours, the guy with five became 10. The guy with two became four. He's like, great job. Well done, good and faithful servant. You may enter into the joy of your master. High five. Good job. Um, go back, kick back, relax. And then the guy with one had a wrong view of God. He had a wrong view of what he needed to do with the things that he had been given in this life, the little. And he complained. He said, I only got one. These guys got two. This guy's got five. And so because he had little, and maybe because he didn't think God cared about what he did with his money, he did nothing with it. He buried it. He didn't follow the master's instructions. And guess what? Master came back and says, you wicked and lazy servant, I'm gonna take the one thing that I gave you that you could have multiplied, that you could have gotten wisdom on, that you could have expanded. I'm actually gonna give it to the guy who had 10. Well, that's not fair. He's already got 10. Well, good news. God's not a communist. And then he throws him into weeping and gnashing of teeth, all this stuff. And so God takes those three things very seriously. He tests us in money, he tests us in little, and he tests us with what is another person's. And I'm thankful that he kind of gives us the hacks right there, because then you can just say, okay, well, how am I doing with those things? How do, I, how do I, if someone gives me their car to borrow, what do I do with that? Am I just returning it as is? Did I leave the Cheeto bag on the, on the Cheetos? Did I leave the, the pizza boat in the back, right? No, I, I cleaned the car, returned it better than I found it, and I filled the tank with gas, right? That's pretty fundamental. Just a little help, help somebody there, right? Uh, if you borrow somebody's toothbrush, right? You return, I'm just kidding. You don't do that. Don't do that. That was a trick. Don't do it. That's a trick. You don't know what you don't know. Okay. Your job is somebody else's. Your job is someone else entrusting you with their money. And so if you just look at, oh, this is just little, and I'll, I'll give you an example in a second, then you're probably not gonna see more in your life. If you're not being faithful, faithful, if you have a vision for your life, if you have a dream, I wanna start a business, I wanna do something on my own, well, guess what? What's in your hand? It's the key to what's in your heart. Money, tithing, giving, budgeting, pretty simple. Return to God what is his. It's a fundamental, as Pastor Michaela brilliantly stated. Giving, learning to live a generous, overflowing life. And then budgeting, tell dollars where to go. Be the master of money, not the servant of it. And, uh, and so before I was uh, reborn, when I was growing up in the natural, um, I had what you would call 
an entitlement spirit. I thought that everything, you know, everybody says millennials, you know, it's entitled. It's like, well, if you don't teach them the kingdom of God and you throw out the Ten Commandments, what the heck do you think is going to happen in schools? And so, and, you know, Jewish and Catholic is a whole thing. And so when I came here, I realized I was the opposite of faithful. And I needed to, I was a baby when it came to learning to mature in things of the kingdom. And so these are things that I learned from my connect leaders. These are things I learned from my friends at prayer. This is a thing I learned doing life in this community, reading the word of God and realizing I needed to, because I had spent you know $100,000 of somebody else's money, right? So not faithful with money, not faithful with somebody else's stuff. Well, it was technically mine, but it was given to me by somebody else. So it was a test, right? So that I could be trusted. Um, and I thought it was not, you know, enough. And so I, I literally had been the opposite of faithful. And then, you know, I had to get a job because I ran out of money and I said I would never have a job again because I was like, I'm going to be a billionaire because of this $100,000. Did not because I did not follow God's principles with that. And so I had to get a job. And I lived in Oceanside at the time with like 17 people because that's how I had to pay rent, just find a way. And, uh, and I had to get a job in Sorrento Valley cold calling realtors, Talk about like worst thing ever. And I called, called 300 people a day. I had to wake up at 3.30 a.m. because I had to iron all my stuff. Um, the pants were a bit tighter, but um, I had to iron all my stuff and then get there by 4.30, cold call till 3.30. And I didn't like it. And it was not what I wanted to do. But I was learning how to be faithful with something that was little. I was learning how to be faithful with a job that was given to me. I was learning how to be faithful with a little amount of money that I did have. And out of, you know, 50 to 100 people that worked there, because I was faithful in that season, there was one person that was working there that saw how faithful I was. And then when they went to a new company and was a startup and had equity opportunity and all this stuff, they said, hey, 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 like, I know we're trying to hire another sales guy. I actually know somebody. They were really good at this old job. They were really good at this job I was just at. Can we bring him on? Can we bring him on? And so guess what? I got an opportunity to come on there. And guess what? I felt like, you know, the entire time I was like, how can I multiply this? How can I grow what's in my hand? How can I be faithful? Because I'm thinking with a different mindset. And even though maybe I felt like I was worth more and I wasn't getting paid enough, guess what? I didn't let that stop me from being faithful. If being in a prison didn't stop Joseph from being faithful, if being in Potiphar's house didn't stop him from being faithful with expanding, then why should I not be faithful even though I feel like I should be getting paid more? So I remained faithful, and then guess what? I got asked to do the internship. I got asked to come on staff here, and guess what? I didn't want to do the internship. I felt like that was below me, but guess what? God was asking, and if God's asking, nothing is below. Nothing is, and I was faithful there, and then I got asked to come on staff, and then I was able to, out of all of that, years later of me developing small faithfulness with small amounts of money, with small amounts of opportunity, with small amounts of responsibility, God has given me a lot of responsibility now in my business, in my finances, at church. It's because I learned how to be faithful waking up at 3 a.m., ironing my clothes, showing up like I am meant to be an owner of this thing, and being faithful at every opportunity I had. So what's in your hand that is another's that you can be more faithful with? How can you multiply what's in your hand that is somebody else's? How can you improve in your faithfulness with money? These are all fundamentals, tithing, giving, budgeting. And then what in your hand looks like little that actually might be the key to you unlocking your dreams that you can be faithful with? Think about those three things, write them down if you need to, and then bring them before God and, and get better. Grow up again, right? Grow up again. The second thing is availability. Availability is super important because 
if you're not available for God, there's no room for him. And if there's no room for God, then what are we doing anyway, trying to grow up in God? You can't. Matthew 6, is a great scripture. When I first got saved, I asked my connect leader, I said, hey, this Bible's pretty big, and um, I, I have a lot to catch up on because I only am aware of about this much. So there's this whole other half that I have yet to, and if I were really honest, I haven't applied any of this. And so I've got to really do a lot of catching up. Is there any, any one verse that you could say, hey, just anchor into this? And they gave me two. It said, number one, Matthew 6, which says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So that's great news. Second one was Psalm 92, 13. Those who are planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of their God. So here's what that tells me. If I seek God and I get planted, my life will flourish. And I actually won't have to worry about all the other stuff that I've been worrying about for 22 years. It'll actually just take care of itself for the most part, right? Stewardship's still involved. And so that's what I started doing because I had literally lived my previous life the opposite. I lived, if you seek first all of these other things, if you hustle, if you just think about them, if you strategize, if you do all this stuff, and then try and fit God in at the end, God's not an afterthought. He won't be tolerated as an afterthought. He either wants all of you or none of you. And he wants all of you. So it's actually you just saying, I either want all of you, God, and I'm willing to prioritize you above everything, or I don't want you at all. Because it's pretty clear in the scriptures, he says, I don't like lukewarm. You're either hot or you're cold. So if we've been adding God in on the side, seeking first all the other things, meaning everything else in your life has priority over him, his house, and his way of decision-making for your life, I would argue to say that you're in the lukewarm boat. And I'd argue to say that's a really dangerous place to be on judgment day. I know, that wasn't cool. Really, you had to, I did. I did have to say that because I love you and I wanna help you. And so I found as soon as I started seeking first the kingdom of God, because I had spent my whole life, 22 years, doing the other stuff, and I never found God. All I found was despair, destruction, right? Lack of peace, lack of joy, lack of fulfillment. And I wonder why my life was a wreck. I was living Matthew 6, 33 in reverse. It doesn't work. And so as soon as I got here, I started realizing, okay, I'm gonna plant myself, and I'm gonna seek first God. And so that's what I did. I started reading the Bible, found somebody that would read the Bible with me and help me Iron sharpens iron, right? Figure out all these things. I was in a connect group where they could teach me about this stuff. I would show up to men's prayer and learn how to pray. You wanna know how I started learning how to pray? I would show up and I'd listen. I'd just let people pray over me because I didn't know what to say. And then, because I would say, Baruch like that's not helpful for them, right? That's Hebrew for blessed is our God, right? That was not helpful for anybody. And so what I would do is I would look up on my phone and I would just read off scriptures over people. I would wait until they close their eyes and they'd be like, I'm believing for finances. I'm like, okay, cool, Google scriptures around finances. And then I would, you know, and so I started to grow up in God. But I grew up because I engaged in the things that he's asked me to grow up in. And then it was like, okay, now that you're connecting to God, now that you're praying, now that you're seeking God, now you need to start to order your life around the things he cares about. Guess what he cares about? If I'm a dad, I care about my house. I care about my kids. I care about my family, all getting along, all being together. And so guess what? That's where we are. Does anybody know that? We're in the father's house. This is a father's house. So in the father's house, I don't just show up, eat my food, and then bounce. I'm not a consumer at a father's house. I'm a family member. I show up early, I stay late, 
I get to know my brothers and sisters. I find out what's going on in their life. I pray for them. I'm connected to them. I bring food. I don't know. You don't have to bring food here. We take care of, you know, food, God's food. Okay. Spiritual food. I don't know. Whatever. But I'm a contributor, right? I'm a contributor because I'm a family member. Now, if you're a little baby, then you don't have to contribute. But if you want to be a little baby Christian forever, that's your choice. Yeah, I know. But if I want to be trusted with the Father's inheritance for me, if I want to be looked at by the Father and say, wow, this kid gets it. Wow, this kid can have more. Wow, I want to trust this kid with more of my kingdom, more of my house, more of my business. Then guess what? I'm going to show up and contribute. I'm going to show up and be in a connect group. I'm going to show up and pray for people. I'm going to show up and start serving on a team. I'm going to show up. I'm not only going to bring my tithe because guess what, Dad? That's yours anyway. But I'm going to start bringing offerings to you because I want to show that I can be faithful, that I am available for you, God, and your priorities. And as soon as I started doing that, guess what? Psalm 92, 13 proved out. Matthew 6, 33 proved out. As I sought God first, and to this day, I don't think my life makes a whole lot of sense outside of those two scriptures. People ask me, how, how, how has God done that much in your life? You don't have a college degree. None of it makes sense. You blew $100,000. Now you have two miracle homes in San Diego. You have a business that you love. You have a wife that's beautiful. You have two beautiful kids. You have friendships that you love. You get to do ministry with the people. Like, how does that make sense? Matthew 6, 33 and Psalm 92, 13. I just choose to seek God and I'll just let him add the stuff. Yeah, God, you can add a miracle home. You can add a business. You can add this. You can add friendships if I just seek you and I get myself planted. Our dysfunctions are often not as you know, confusing as they, as they seem to be. It's, it's usually people that are not planted attract dysfunction that they can't get rid of. I'm not saying dysfunction doesn't come to planted people. Trust me, it still happens to me. But the difference is when the storm comes, when the wind blows, I have built my life on a rock. I have built my family on a rock. And we have decided we will forever seek God. We will forever be planted. Game over, set, match, done. Amen. So where do you need to become more available for God? And this isn't like a zero or a hundred thing. This is a growing up in God. This is a what's the next step for you of being available for him. Take action today. Last area is teachability. This is the, this is the most fun one. If you, thought, if you thought that last one was fun, this one's really fun. But honestly, this is probably one of the most essential because if, if we're not teachable, what, what are we doing? If we're not teachable, what can we learn? We can't learn anything. If you can't learn anything, you can't grow up. If you can't grow up, you stay a baby, right? You can go to the nursing mom's room. I didn't write that down, I promise. That just came. That was the Holy Ghost. Okay. And that probably offended somebody just there. Okay. I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures, and I'm just going to let them sit, Okay. Hebrews 12, 6, for whom the Lord loves, say, God loves me, he chastens, that means disciplines, and scourges every son whom he receives. That doesn't seem right, but it's in the book, so you got to roll with it. Psalm 141, 5, let the righteous strike me, it shall be a kindness, and let him rebuke me, it shall be as excellent oil, like thieves. Oil thieves, the thieves oil that all you ladies like to put in your house. <laughs> I got it wrong last time. I said thieves or something at the nine. It's not thieves, it's thieves. 
Let my head not refuse it. Proverbs 9, 8 verses 9. Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Want to know how to know if you're a scoffer? If you hate when you get correction. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Want to know if you're wise? If you love the person who corrects you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. A couple more. Proverbs 12.1. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is? You said it, not me. <laughs> Proverbs 27.5-6. Open rebuke. Open rebuke, like this kind of open. Like your friend tells in the whole connect group and rebukes you in front of everybody. That's better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Correction is healthy. And I found that God actually wants to correct us first so that he saves us the trouble of getting corrected by his, you know, our siblings, basically. But if we don't listen, he's going to send big brother. He's going to send big sister. He's going to send one of his kids to bring that. And obviously the goal is that it's done really well. And in this house, I find that it's done super healthy. I've actually not seen unhealthy correction. Now, I would say that there are moments where open rebuke happens. I've had it happen to me in front of other people. But guess what? It's actually better than not telling you at all. So that's why we're at In Your Face Church. Why? Because it's better to be wounded by us than to be kissed by the devil. I spent 22 years of my life letting the devil flatter me, kiss me, tell me I'm awesome, and it train wrecked my life. And you know the easiest way to do that? Keep a mask on. As soon as I got to the house of God, I realized I was really tired of wearing a billion different masks. I was tired of trying to put on, I was trying to pretend, I was, I was tired of it. I was exhausted by it. It had left me in a ditch. And when I got to this house, God said, if you will just take off your mask, and if you will allow people to actually see what's really on the inside of you, you will begin to get healed, you'll begin to get restored, you'll begin to get redeemed. I will use my family to work out some things in your life, sharpening iron with iron, so that you can actually excel and so that I can actually trust you with more. And before I got to the house, the reason I hated correction so much was because honestly, I was so insecure my dad had died when I was nine years old. I had no father pouring into me. I had no father affirming me. And so I did everything to try and get love. I did everything to try and get approval. And it's a dangerous way to live because you'll end up, like I said, putting on a million different masks, hoping that one of them works. Found none of them worked. Maybe they worked for a moment or a second, but it was not fulfilling. There was a hole still in my heart. And so when I got saved and I realized that Jesus died for me, God loved me, knowing all of my dysfunction, knowing even the stuff that people don't know, like the inner thought, he knew all of that, past, present, future, and yet he still loved me. Immediately, I had no need to wear a mask again. Immediately, I made a decision. You know what, if God loves me for who I am, then guess what, mask coming off, anybody can see my dysfunction, I really don't care, I need healing. I'm tired of dysfunction. I'm ready for function. I'm ready for the way that God designed me. I'm ready to see my life begin to flourish. 
And you do that in community, you do that in connect group, you allow and embrace correction in the right format, but don't just wait for people to correct you, actually lean in and say, hey, is there anything in my life that you see that you think I could work on? Is there anything, and don't do this with everybody, do this with a few trusted people, people that have fruit, and fruit means results. So anybody has results in their life that is planted in the house of God, living according to the kingdom, that's our connect leaders, that's our team leaders, that's people at prayer, uh, lean into them. And, uh, and, and I remember one of the funniest kind of correction stories was uh, when I was just a couple, maybe a year or so, two on staff, and uh, we had this guy named Pastor Chris Hodges, pastor of Church of the Highlands. He's, it's an incredible church, massive church in, uh, in Alabama and that kind of area. And so he came in, he did a leadership teaching for uh, a night, and then we actually, Pastor Jurgen Land had him come and talk to some of our ministry leaders and our staff. I got to be in the room and talk about open rebukes. Uh, so I was in there with, you know, my boss and then somebody else. And, and uh, so the entire time, he's like the expert on assimilation, which is what I was responsible for at the time. And, and he's like the guy, like he's, he's the legend. And so I'm there like with the hero in the faith. And I'm like, dude, I'm doing everything that he tells you to do. So he's gonna love me. He's gonna, he, he might even wanna hire me, but I'm not for hire, I'm staying here forever. Like. I was literally that confident. And, and he, he's like, hey, just you know, tell me your assimilation process, tell me what you're doing. So I guide him through the whole thing. And it's almost verbatim what he tells you to do. Like it's, it's, he's probably like, oh, this guy. But I thought he was gonna be like, oh, this guy, like this guy's amazing. And so he's like, hey, um, can I ask you a question? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, because uh, one of the things we, you know, part of assimilation process, hey, we wanna get people in a connect group. We wanna get people on team because that way they're in community, they're connected, right? So they can be planted so their lives can flourish. He's like, are you in a connect group? In my head, I'm like, should I lie? Should I lie? Should I lie? Should I lie? No, no, he probably hears from God. I probably shouldn't lie. Uh, no, Pastor Chris, I'm not. So, okay, can I give you some feedback? I'm like, phew, thank God we passed that one. That was not an issue. He just wanted to know if I was in a connect group. How nice is that? He says, you wouldn't be on staff at my church. Instantly devastated, like completely Completely, I, I don't even know what my face looked like. It was probably not, not great. But he said, how can you want to lead something that you can't even model? And I realized that this was, yeah, 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 yeah. Amazing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you weren't there, so don't do that. It was not a clapping moment. I'll tell you when to clap, okay? It's like three minutes. But what happened was an open rebuke was actually better than someone trying to conceal love because what it actually ended up doing, it was a seed for me realizing, when did I graduate from connect groups? When did I graduate from being in accountable community? But I didn't do anything about it then. Because sometimes more pain has to come before you'll actually change. And let this today be wisdom to you to not allow for that to happen. Because what happened was about six months later, my wife and I, I was two years into ministry. I was probably in an unhealthy level of just full sending it. And I wasn't in a connect group. We didn't, I didn't make time for us to be in a connect group. Some of me probably thought I was beyond it. I was on staff now. I didn't need to be. How stupid is that? And so it was stupid. Thank you, pastor. And so I'm thankful because, you know, we were basically at the end of it. Like, like, like we exchanged words and they were not good words. They were words like, this might be over, like, why are we, do like, it was, it was not good. 
And we finally got to a place, it was the end of, you know, 2019 maybe. And uh, Mario says, you know what? I'm calling Pastor Michaela. I was like, good, call her. You should call her, because it's you. You're messed up. She calls her. Instantly, everything seems better. My wife's calmed down. Pastor Michaela prayed for her, processed with her. But we had basically put masks on for the last two years and hadn't allowed anybody in your life, not even had allowed, but hadn't offered our life into somebody else's life that we trusted that said, hey, this is what's happening. Can you help us? Can you give feedback? Can you help us stay accountable? We hadn't done that. And so it was like instant relief. But then the next day I saw Dr. Matt. So we're at prayer. He's like, hey man, Pastor Michaela, my wife mentioned that uh, today had called her and you guys have some, something going on. I was like, oh yeah, it's not a big, not a big deal. I think, I think they got it sorted out. Because once again, I'm still trying to save face. For whatever reason, I felt like I had. And so he's like, oh, okay, cool, man, cool. So he goes to marriage agenda. I think we took up probably their entire topic because I get a text. He says, what the heck, bro? You didn't tell me that you were literally on the end of potentially losing your marriage because you guys haven't processed anything financially, the amount of weight that you're under in ministry, all these stuff, you hadn't processed any of it. And you guys are at a standstill. He's like, this is really bad. I'm like, oh, this is really bad. Because when you spend that long away from people actually knowing your situation, you become deaf and blind to your own reality. And you start telling yourself stuff just to make you feel better. And I had started telling myself, myself stuff to make me feel better that wasn't working. So he's like, let's meet. I was like, oh, great, let's meet. So we meet and he's like, hey, I just need you to know that if you wanna just do ministry stuff together and just serve together and like do ministry, do church stuff, that's cool, but like that will be the extent of our relationship because right now you're not my friend. Right now you're not somebody that I would say I disciple. If Pastor, you're gonna ask me, are you discipling Alex? I would say no. But wait, 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 Pastor Matt's responsible for Alex, so he should know everything. If you expect your connect leader, if you expect your team lead, if you expect Pastor Matt Michaela, any of our pastors to know everything about your life, but you keep the mask on, how in the world is that realistic? And he's like, if you want things to change in your life, and if you want us to stay connected, I'm gonna need you to actually be a friend. I'm gonna need you to actually be someone that can be discipled. I need you to be teachable. And that means you positioning yourself to be vulnerable, laying all the cards out there, saying, this is the reality of it. He's like, cause I will handle it. I will help you. I will guide you. I will pastor you if you allow me to, if you take the mask off. And guess what? From that day, I have done my very best. And there've been moments where I haven't to be the easiest person to disciple because I had done the other way for so long. I realized I don't wanna be sewing that cause I don't want the people that I'm around to be fake. I don't want the people I'm around to keep a mask on. I don't want, cause if whatever you sow, so shall you reap. And from that day, our life has not been easy, not been stress-free, not, not been without passionate conversations, but it has been better and it has been healthy and it's never gotten to a breaking point because everyone's that we have trusted a few people to know everything about our life. And so if you're in a connect group or you're in somebody's and you're saying I'm being discipled, but they don't know everything, you're not being discipled. You're not decide, you're, you're actually not fully planted. And so what I would challenge you today is, who have I given our life to? Who have I said, I trust this person to lead me. I trust this person to guide me. And what have I not brought to them? What have I hid? What have I put a mask over? What have I 
left out because it was convenient. What have I left out to try and save face? Trust me, the only person you should be fearing is not man, it's God. And you can bring something to God, he'll forgive you, but until you bring it to people, you're not getting healed. James 5.13, God will forgive you of your sins, but if you bring your trespasses to one another and pray for one another, then you can have healing. I don't know about you. I don't wanna just be forgiven and not healed. I wanna live a life of healing. I wanna live a life of restoration. I wanna live a life of peace. I can tell you today, if I had not decided I will grow up in God, I will not stay a baby Christian forever. I will lean into faithfulness. I will lean into availability and I will lean into teachability because I wanna grow up in God. I wanna be trusted with much. Then I promise you, your lives will flourish even faster than you thought possible. So let's bow our heads, close our eyes real quick. I wanna pray for us. If there's anybody in this room and you're here today and you're saying, I don't know of this Jesus you talk about. I've never been in relationship with him. I didn't even know that he died for me. I didn't know he was literally the living son of God that 2000 years ago came, died on a cross for my sin, that he's the living Passover, that he is the living Christ. And I need to know him today. I need to be in relationship with him. I need to surrender my life, let my old life die. And I need to be made right with him. I'm willing to give up my old life to have life in him. In a moment, I'm asking you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. If you're the second type of person, maybe you once made that decision, but for whatever reason you fell away, walked away, ran away, it doesn't matter how you got here, but you're here today and you're saying, I don't know where I'm at, but I know I'm not with God and you know you need to be today. I'm gonna pray for you, but I want you to raise your hand in a moment just so I know who to include. So on the count of three, raise your hand if you're one of those two groups of people. One, friend, God loves you too. I promise you'll never be the same. Three, if you could just lift your hand, beautiful, I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus, I see that hand. Beautiful, I see those hands. Beautiful, I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus, I see, I see those hands. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, we're gonna, beautiful, I see that hand. We're gonna do this, we're gonna stand up real quick. And uh, I did promise I was gonna pray for people, but there were too many hands for me to actually pray for individually. So I want you to do this. This is what I did eight years ago and it changed my life forever because sometimes how you start something is how you'll finish something. And if you wanna live a life that's bold for Jesus, sometimes you gotta start with being bold and come down and let me pray for you. So in a moment, I'm gonna jump down from the stage. I wanna shake your hand, pray for you. If you raise your hand and you're standing next to somebody, I want you to smile and say, hey, I raised my hand, can I come down? I wanna pray. If you're sitting next to somebody that you thought should raise your hand, smile with your teeth, say, hey, I think you raised your hand. Do you want me to come down with you? Or if somebody's next to you and you thought they should have, say, hey, do you wanna come down? And we're gonna all cheer and applaud. We've all done this. So I want you to do this. If you raise your hand, Come on down here and let me pray for you. Come on, we're gonna celebrate. Come on down, come on down, come on down. I saw you, so I'll start pointing it out if you don't come down. Come on, come down, come down. Come on, let's keep celebrating. These people are making life-changing decisions. Come on, everything can change now if you're willing to move. If everything stays the same, something, nothing will change. Come on. Awesome. I think we got a couple more people coming down. Beautiful. If y'all could just stay seated, I know you want to get out, get your kids, go watch football, eat some lunch, but this is really important. This is a holy moment for these people, so I want to take a moment. What's your name? Beautiful. Okay, we're going to do this, guys. We're going to pray for these people, and if you're here today, hi.
Come on, we're so thankful. Okay, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna pray for you. And uh, are you with us? Come on down. Come on, first time today too, huh? That's pretty cool. All right, we're going to do this. We're going to pray this prayer because we've all prayed this at some point, right? This is a decision. The words don't do anything. It's what happens in your heart, okay? So what's going to happen is you're going to say, Jesus, I want to make you Savior of my life, so I'm going to allow you to save me from my sin, and I want to make you Lord, which means I'm going to choose to follow you all the days of my life, right? And then as you do that, you'll find as you seek first the kingdom, all the other stuff in your life starts going to come together. Sound good? And then we're going to connect you so you get planted in your life, starts to flourish, all the fun things. Okay. So we're going to say this, say it with all of your heart, soul, strength. We're all going to say it because we've all said it before. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross. I turn away from my old life. I let it die. And instead, I choose to have life in you. I am a new creation in Christ. You are my savior and you are my Lord. And I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.